Hey, dear friends, guess who's coming to see us and plans to stay forever? Hmm, stay tuned. anyone receive the kind of company that comes and stays forever? That's a challenge, right? We'll talk about it today on Time That Makes the Difference. And hey, it's very good to have you with us because we believe that your time, together with ours, makes a difference. We love to do a very special approach to Hold Your Breath Bible Study, and we'll do that together if you'll allow us, but we'll do that with you, we hope and pray, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. I'm Keith Tonkel. I'm one of the persons sitting at the table in our new production room at the Methodist Hour headquarters in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, on 28th Avenue. That's right, South that 28th South Avenue. South 28th Avenue, and I'm a United Methodist pastor. I serve Wells Church in Jackson and also as the ministry advisor here, and I advise here, there, and uh, they take whatever it's worth. <laughs> here, there, and everywhere. Um, Keith, it's great to be on the team with you. I'm Shane Stanford, and I'm also a pastor in the local church. I'm the teaching pastor for the Modern Service over at Main Street United Methodist Church and really enjoy being on that team as well. And sitting uh, across the table for a second week is uh, Anthony Thaxton. Anthony, it's great to have you with us. It's good to be here since your other guests didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, uh, for everyone who's listening, is on the team here at the Methodist Hour, too, a very important part of the team. He is the producer of our programming, and uh, it's very... Um, we, we've been blessed to have Anthony and Christopher Munn uh, to right come here. on and be a part of what we do here at the United Methodist Hour. But, Anthony, we did not mention this last week that you... Um, we talked about you being an artist, but you have uh, a show out yourself that's called Southern Sketches. And you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, sure. We'd love to hear about it. Sure. Why not? Uh, Southern Sketches... Uh, I was the director of media at First Baptist Church for a couple of years here in Hattiesburg, and we had a cable channel, and we started doing a watercolor program to try to get people to watch the art program who may not stop for a religious program. Mm -hmm. And the idea there would be a hook to get them in, and then we'd place a service after the art program. And we got a lot of people that said, hey, I was watching this guy paint on TV, and then I watched the church service afterwards. So uh, we kind of started it just as a, a little hook, and then... Um, Someone came to me one day, and they something some of the way I said something about it, and he said, you don't understand. You're talking as if your art show introduces a ministry. She said, your art show is a ministry to us. And mm. uh, I was just blown away because I'd never thought of it that way because she said, I can't, my daughter and I relate to nothing. And uh, she said, we don't talk about anything. We can't connect. But we sit down and watch your program together, and that's the time wow, that we talk. That's amazing, mm -hmm. and it is. Um, it's a reconciliation. And, well, and it makes me, uh, you know, embar embarrassed because I think, well, we just threw these episodes together, and we were just trying to really hurry and get some things out. But again, like we talked about last week, God can take broken things, and yeah. He takes things and uses them in a way that we never intended. It's well, what, and, and, and Keith, me. you mentioned last week about art being a type of ministry, mm -hmm. and, and friends, I want and this is some free advertising for Anthony. <laughs> Go to his website, thaxtonstudios.com, and you will see the work. It is uh, excellent. It's very well done. 
And now that you get to hear and listen to the heart behind it, I think you'll be very blessed. And he trans translates that colorful art, um, creative art, into acts of art, even the way he does things technically here with us. And for that, we're very, very mm. thankful, too. Uh, I was going to say that one of the interesting things that we talk about from time to time in the life of our congregation is the divine gestalt. And somebody said, what in the world are you talking about? You know, the Gestalt uh, psychology says that human personality is more than the sum of its parts. Mm. And that's what happens. You put together a program like that that you thought was maybe hasty and maybe not with the quantic kind of perfection you'd prefer, but it has an authenticity. And somehow the spirit adds a dimension, and so it's more than the sum of its parts. And it's a God thing. The more than the sum of its parts is almost always a God thing. With that in mind, let's come more directly to what we're about, which is a unique approach to studying Scripture. We're going to be in second Thessalonians. You have to stop to think of how to say that. Um, incidentally, when preachers don't know how to say something, we just make up something. But um, <laughs> Second Thessalonians, and chapter two. And just say that it's from the original Greek. From the original right? Greek yeah. or, or the Hebrew. I can't um, believe you just let the number one pastor secret out. There you go. <laughs> that you just verbalized it. Now everybody. I, I, will know. I said it out loud. But you know, <laughs> the other, you know, uh, there's a guy that I love a lot, and I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, Sam Morris and he and I have discussions over Capernaum or Capernaum. Capernaum. What is it? Do you say? What do you say? I say Capernaum. What do you say? Capernaum. Yes. Capernaum. I don't know. Anyway, one of those is correct, <laughs> um, or maybe not, none of the above. Or none of those yeah. are correct. We're looking at. 2 Thessalonians chapter yeah. 2, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to pick it up again at verse 13. But before we take a look at that, and that takes a look at us, let us share with you the principles for study. We believe when people gather, open Scripture, ask God's Spirit to be present, that the truth grows out of shared discussion, comment, question, etc. Now, what's so different about that? What's different about that is essential. It is that the shared and developing Bible study is not dependent on one teacher type, although they can make a contribution, an excellent one, thank God for them, but it's dependent on all of us doing our share and giving our own particular response. And with that in mind, let's take a look at the Lord's return here in uh, second, uh, chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. Um, Anthony, would you mind very much reading verses 1 through 5 sure. for us, please? And now, brothers and sisters, let us tell you about the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Please don't be so easily shaken and troubled by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Even if they claim to have had a vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't believe them. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy every god there is and tear down every object of adoration and worship. He will position himself in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you this when I was with you? Okay, well, boy, that's a whole lot to talk about, and we're going to ask Shane to interpret. <laughs> and that's from the New he Living Translation. Already, right. Well, it, it is, of course, uh, um, he is alluding to uh, the Antichrist. Exactly right. But, you know, there's some discussion about whether or not this is truly prophetic or if this is talking about someone who would have already been alive during Paul's day that he's writing to Thessalonica. Um, there was some belief that um, that the Antichrist was an image that was fueled by the persecutions of Nero, and that the idea of the Antichrist really is anyone who persecutes believers or does anything that is detrimental to the life and future of the faith. Well, you know, 
I think it needs to be underlined that that is an absolutely excellent extension of any discussion of an antichrist, and that is that it's anybody who opposes the clear um, and, and wonderful uh, presentation of God that comes to us by way of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I think that it's a reading of Scripture that whether you believe in the last things or not, whether you believe they're going to play out that way, I think every Christian can agree that there are those who who are just antagonistic towards the faith. And, I th you know, we don't have to get lost in the detail, um, and so we can agree on that point. But there are those who believe that this is a prophetic reading, a prophetic rendering of the last days. Of uh, And, and now keep in mind, too, this is something that I had to rem remind myself, Paul believes that Jesus is going to come back in his day. He still believes this in Thessalonica. Uh, he doesn't really change that view until he writes, I believe it's Romans. He, he really realizes there's a change. Anthony, you got any, any thought here well, about uh, this? Going, going to what you were saying right before that, um, my thing is we get so caught up sometimes on those, those details and the, the books that are written and the dramatizations and, oh, this is going to happen, and the pink-haired ladies on television saying that uh, mm -hmm. this is... Um, and I'm, I'm getting smiles across the table here. Okay, we're not supposed to talk like that. But but we do, we do. There, we there, all know the pink haired lady. There is an ick factor out there with people looking at Christians and saying, "You guys are this the the Da Vinci Code and this hoodoo voodoo yeah. and all yeah. all of this." When God is love, and mm -hmm. and our message to to them, um, frankly. It doesn't matter to me so much what is to come with all of those things. I don't have to have that figured out. I don't have to know and see clearly uh, when we are supposed to be connecting with relationships and love here and yeah. Yeah. changing lives, and then come what may. Uh, because as, as a Christian, we believe we, we, are, we are in the family. So our emphasis, I think, should be not so much on those details and... And Thessalonians is a short book, but you get into the people who talk about in Revelation and and maybe the six 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 meant with the if you spell out the letters of Nero's name and yeah, add them up, right. it becomes six hundred and sixty six. And there's all all of this. Yeah, um, it's easy to get lost in all of that, and then we get so much fighting about those things or denominational issues. We yeah. fight over all of these things when it, it, Jesus has to be standing there saying, "Wait a minute, it's yeah. it's about me." Well, yeah. you've clarified a couple of things that I think we always need to say. One is that the bottom line with regard to the rapture, the return of Christ, um, all of this stuff is, are you ready to meet Christ when he comes? That's it. It's, it's his time. It's his choice. Uh, no one knows except the Father. Even Jesus said he didn't know. He didn't if know. he doesn't know, nobody <laughs> else knows. But the second thing, which is really more important to me, is you can sure spend a lot of time worrying about putting energy into and talking about the Antichrist and miss a precious opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yeah, that's uh, right. in, in, whom, in whom we find grace and peace, etc. Well, you know, uh, Keith, the other night I watched uh, um, a thing on the History Channel where it was talking about... The pink-haired lady? No, it wasn't <laughs> the pink-haired lady. That's Channel 40. Um, but on 42, the History Channel, um, there was this discussion 40 about... 40 CNN with us. Go ahead. Well, go. asking okay, the yeah. question about the Antichrist and, what yeah. it, and it was a really engaging show because... This stuff catches people's attention. It does. And it's intriguing and it's a little bit dark and they wanna they, they, they wanna kinda watch it and they love the whole idea of, you know, does this fit within the Mayan prophecies and Nostradamus and you know and all of this stuff. The question was posed to me the other day, do you do you believe the Antichrist was or is or is to come? And I went, Yes. 
Because I do. I believe that it's just like the kingdom of God being both present and also mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a force that works against as much as there is a force that works for. Well, even the term Antichrist, it's anything n- not of Christ. And right. if we spend all our time talking about the Antichrist, right. well, then that's that's the whole ball game. That's yeah, the, right. Excuse me. Go ahead. No. There's not a thing in the world wrong with talking about these things. What I'm saying is to let them become an undue emphasis of your faith is not uh, healthy development. Yes. You know, it's one part of it. Yeah. But what you might want to say very quickly is if you have anybody who has received good and tries to do good, you're going to have some discussion about people who receive evil and try to do evil. That's right. And in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus makes that very clear. Uh, But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, because what we're trying to do is to describe faith as the kind of continuing commitment that goes through good stuff and bad stuff that deals with good and bad people but still hangs on. Uh, That's that's true, and I think that... I mean, you said it perfectly. We can become so uh, enwrapped uh, with the notion of who is the Antichrist and trying to figure it out like it's a puzzle. God already knows, and we forget that along the way. That this God is not surprised by the end of time. Or, and He's also not asking for our help in that. No, He's so. not. You know, and God is very much aware of what is happening in the world. So. Okay, that's a good place for us to hear from brothers and sisters from our branch of the vine of Christ, and we'll come right back and we'll pick up good and evil. A teller gives you $10 too much change. What do you do? A woman stands by a stalled car at rush hour. What do you do? God's Son comes into this world and gives us clues to a more meaningful life, even if it means losing his own. What do we do? If you're searching for answers to questions like these, our hearts, our minds, and our doors are always open. The people of the United Methodist Church... Hey dear friends, welcome back. I'm Keith Tonkle. I'm Shane Stanford. And I'm Anthony Thaxton. And we want to take just a moment to tell you a little bit more about the ministry here at Time That Makes the Difference in the United Methodist Hour. Um, first of all, we want to encourage you to call our prayer line at 1-800-280-4040 or send your prayer request to prayer at thehour.org. We've got volunteers who are waiting to pray with you about your request and joys and concerns and and friends, this is what we do. We, we want to be in ministry with you, and that's what we've been doing for over three decades now as we have proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. And today is a very special day, a very special Sunday in the life of our ministry. This is our special offering Sunday throughout the Mississippi Annual Conference, and we know that, that churches all throughout this state are going to be taking up a special offering for the capital needs of the United Methodist Hour. And, and on behalf of everyone here, I just want to say thank you for your commitment Last year, we had over 200 churches who participated. Now, of course, we would love to have all 1,149 churches participating, but for those 200 churches, for those who will participate this year, we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. It really does make a difference in the life of this ministry. Tell them about how the financing happens, you know, what comes from conference, what comes from people. We have a budget here. I mean, this is a a pretty big ministry, but our budget is only $550,000. We are very careful and good stewards, but 90% of of our, our budget comes from contributors, friends, viewers, listeners, who just believe in what we're doing. Only 10% comes from the organized connection. And I will bet you anything that there's some people out there that don't realize that we pay more than $50,000 for one TV station to appear on one TV station. Yeah, well, yeah we pay nearly $50,000 for us to be on the station once a week in Memphis. 
And that's just a tremendous amount of money. And we, we, we're trying to figure out... And that's out a, one station. One station. We're right. on in seven different states. And, and what has impressed me here... I'm sorry to butt in. No, that's what what has impressed me... It. I've been here for about a month working here. And the heart and the, the good stewardness of everyone here with trying to... It's, it's, it's not, hey, how can we do this? And we have volunteer people coming in and, and painting the new studio here. We have, we're finding ways to cut corners because we're saying, how can we all be on in more markets That's and right. reach more people? Not to get more money, but how can we be on right. and influence more people and touch people, people with the message of Christ? That's Here's right. the deal. Here's the deal. If any of you out there would like to be a part of this special offering, which is November the 11th, correct? Is that the date? It's, yeah, it's today. That's the this today as we're talking about. That, that's the day. Uh, if you subscribe to more than our budget, if we receive from your churches more than our budget, we'll send you some back. You can't beat that now. If you, you know, you pay the whole budget out for us, we'll send you back a little bit. Or you might say, nah, go ahead and keep it. See if you can reach a couple of other stations or maybe a few other people with the unique approach to the presentation of the Word of God. With that in mind, let's come straight back to work. I, I We're think in our second. chief operating officer just started to hyperventilate when just you made that offer there. But uh, I agree with you. I think it's a great... Uh, well, she said we can change our budget. Upon the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, and let me just say a word about that too, Keith, is that God provides, and God, God has been provide. faithful, and we just appreciate you. So thank you so much for your support. And we do appreciate you. Thank you very much, dear friends. We're in Second Thessalonians. We're in verses 1 through 5 now. We're going to jump over to 13 and following in a minute. But I want to say one thing. In verse 3, in this version, I've got the contemporary English. It says, don't be fooled. People will rebel against God. Um, and they're talking about the fact that things are going to get bad before God comes to make things good again. People have always rebelled have always rebelled against God. They've rebelled against each other. They have rebelled against themselves. And God always intervenes to see that rebellion is put to rest and that redemption is brought back to the scene. That's the amazing marvel of the entire revelation of God in Scripture, Old and New Testament. Sometimes it gets pretty raunchy back there in the Old Testament times, but God never gives up and never does give over to darkness and always brings some opportunity for light and for redemption along the way. Even if it takes wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Exactly That's right. right. That's exactly right. right. Anything else before we move over to the other verses? No, I think we're ready. Why don't you do it for us, Mr. Okay. Shane? Uh, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 17 in chapter 2. As for us, we always thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and by your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on everything we taught you, both in person and by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us and in his special favor gave us everlasting comfort and good hope comfort your hearts, and give you strength in every good thing you do and say. You know what I love about that is you might have to talk about the hard stuff, but it's beautiful to be able to come, just as we mentioned a moment ago, back again to the hopeful kind of things. And I like that. Mine says, wonderful hope. Mm. How did yours read uh, about hope there, Shane? Well, in verse 16. Uh, the exact same thing. It says um, uh, his special favor. I'm sorry, special <laughs> favor. His special favor gave us everlasting comfort and good hope. Good hope. Yeah, good hope. That's even good great. Hope. Yeah, maybe it might be a good idea to name a church Good Hope. I think I've heard of a church named Good Hope somewhere, but if not, maybe a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. If not, start a church out there, folks. Plant a church and call it Good Hope, and see that it represents just exactly that. In yeah. this particular passage, I love the emphasis on God loves you. 
Yeah. You're talking about all the scary stuff, but the bottom line is God loves you. Just recently at communion, we called people out of the congregation uh, to come and help minister communion to us. We had a full house that day, and I called a young woman up who I have a lot of respect for, and she's working through her faith realities. You know, she's really trying to deal and be a genuine, authentic uh, woman of faith. Um, but I always say when they come up there, uh, do you want to pray? Because we dismiss each altar. And I didn't expect her to say yes, and she said, absolutely. And so she came to, I said, you know, brothers and sisters, take hands, and so-and-so is going to come pray for us. And she came to the altar, and she said, God is love. Amen. Wow. And um, yeah, you, while you're working through it, that's a pretty good place to begin. And yeah. it's a pretty good place to continue, and it's a pretty good place to come to a conclusion, too. Well, you know, I also like the fact of how he talks about their love for one another and the, the affection that they have for um, being a partner in the gospel with these folks. And I think a lot of times in churches, we spend so much time bickering that we forget what a, what a privilege it is to do church together. Mm-hmm. And, and these are uh, these letters to these churches. Talk about we've we've talked about intimate communications. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are love letters. Sure. These, these are and, and the whole Bible a love letter to us. But th- these communications with um, mm-hmm. uh, very personal and taking an interest in these churches, yeah. uh, taking an interest in every little thing that's going on, and saying don't be swayed by these things. Mm-hmm. Take it one step further and say that it's a love letter to family too, because it includes hey, there's some things I want you to take a look at. There's mm-hmm. some things you need to deal. With and all that kind of stuff, but the bottom line is beginning. Which is ultimate love. That, which is parental. That's what, what real love is all about. There, yeah. there is something that is said here, though, about salvation that I think is important. I love that, that is, too. Is helping us to be thankful that God chose us to be among the first to be to experience salvation, which I think is a very nice way for Paul to say, you know, I'm no matter what I've been through, no matter what I've dealt with, I, it's a privilege for me to be able to be here and be in ministry with you. But he also says that this salvation came to make us holy that, and that by our belief in the truth we might be made complete. And I think to myself, I think a lot of times we see salvation as just this way to get into heaven. Yeah. Uh, that it's just about eternal life. Well, you know, Jesus really talked about abundant life and salvation makes us holy. It brings us closer to the heart of God and it helps to transform us so that we can live good and truthful lives. I preached a series of sermons on a Volkswagen ad some years ago, and the ad was, Live Large. And that's exactly what you're talking about. The meaning of salvation is to enlarge the boundaries of our living, to extend the joy, and as well as the reality, the pain, um, but the ultimate joy of our existence, too. Well, one of the things that, um, and I I mentioned last week, uh, something that Gloria Gaither said, another thing, I like Bill and Gloria Gaither, they were both school teachers. And uh, great thinkers, and and I really like their life and their ministry, and how God has brought them full circle, and all right. of these things. But one of the things that they um, said early on, all of their songs uh, have to do with things in the here and now, mm. um, because there are so many songs. I, I'm an old Southern gospel quartet sure. boy, yeah. and playing piano and bass and sure. groups around, and all of the songs were over in the glory land and the by and by everything yeah. will be all right yeah, and yeah. Oh, boy I just can't wait to die and get to heaven yeah. and, but oh lord I don't want to die right now yeah. but you know everything <laughs> yeah. I just can't wait just can't wait and yeah. Gaither was one who came along and took a lot of flack from it saying I'm writing songs about right now I, I just feel like something good's about to happen um, you know uh, we have this moment today a lot of these songs dealing because he lives I can face tomorrow right. and a lot of these songs that are dealing with um, with with right now and being living that full life that you were talking about, right, Keith. Right, You know, then, the whole concept of then, what then, belongs to God. 
Mm. What now belongs to us? And what's curious about that is the way this passage that we've just studied here in verses 13 and following lifts up the whole plan of salvation. From time to time, we don't talk much about that, but it's instituted by God. God has chosen and God has called us. And because you put your faith and trust in that plan, in that God, in that grace, in that salvation, which lifts up for me what's so very important in our view uh, of the concept of salvation, and people call it Armenian. Friends, it ain't Armenian. It's just one interpretation of New Testament understanding. Stop calling each other names. We don't call you names. Don't call us names. But anyway, Shane calls us names. No, <laughs> yeah, but, but it I ain't mean, Armenian. Yes, but I mean <laughs> those. <laughs> you know. But you know well, that, what that approach to salvation says is that salvation is God's thing. God makes everything available to us, mm. but the responsibility to, to receive it belongs to us. So there is a legitimate and actual partnership between the divine and the human. We choose the God that has chosen us, which is what salvation is about. If God didn't choose us, we'd have been in bad shape. Yeah. But we do have the responsibility not only to choose, but to continue to do so. Well, and I also like this in verse 15 where it says that, uh, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on everything we taught you both in person and by letter. And, you know, the whole idea of standing firm allows us to see that Paul knows that life's not going to be easy and that just because you accept Christ and, and are living by the power of the Holy Spirit does not mean that you're going to have an easy time of it, but that you're going to have to stand firm. There's a fight on your hands, and so you're going to have to be strong. I love the idea of having a strong grip, of having, you know, not letting go, because it, it, it might seem easier, simpler to let go than it is to hold on to what Christ is teaching you. Well, the strong grip also allows you to focus on what's important. Yeah. And as you're gripping onto that and you're holding on to, I'm sharing the love of Christ with people around me, a lot of those other questions that we talked about earlier don't seem as important anymore. As important anymore. as that. You know, the other thing about strong grip and standing firm is you've got to have pretty good foundation. How firm a foundation you saints of the Lord. Well, and, and I, I like what Anthony just said because it also, if you're, if you're loving and, and caring and taking care of your brothers and sisters, you don't have time to fight with them. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes, but the other day, I, I mentioned this before, that uh, my two oldest daughters were kind of fussing at each other, and my wife, very exasperated, told them they had to hold hands and pray for one another. And uh, I thought this ought to be interesting, and the, the, the oldest one prays a beautiful prayer. When the middle one, who's our fiery little redhead, prayed, um, she said, uh, got halfway through it and said, I can't do this because if I pray for sissy, sissy then I can't be mad at her. And, and I thought, you know, that tells us a lot about, you know, why we do what we do. That's exactly right. Uh, it reminds me of the work of Keith Miller in his early years when he wrote The Taste of New Wine. Um, he decides for the first time in his life to be authentic, and he's always been just a fakie, and he's praying, and he tells, um, he's praying with his daughter, and he says something to the effect that, um, you know, I treated Mama really badly today, and I'm so sorry about that, and I need to talk to her about that. God, I want to be a strong man and not just tell you, but tell her. And I'm sorry that my daughter saw that, too. And so there's this quiet time, and the little girl said, Well, Daddy, there's something I need to tell you about the last time I went to the party. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the, I'm the, it's, it's not the, the baseness of it. Is It's the authenticity of yeah, it. It's being the able to tell the truth. And if there's anything in the world that we want is to move from some kind of an appearance of religious faith to the real heart of it, to the real thing. Well, and, and you know, as we finish up this passage today, talking about the second coming and you standing firm, Again, Paul is saying this because he believes in a God who's already stood firm for us, who's already been in the gap for us, who loves us, who has promised not to abandon us, and one day will 
make all that is broken whole again. And Amen. friends, I don't know if, if you're listening today and you feel like your life is not repairable. I want to tell you that it is repairable. So give us a call here at our prayer line at 1-800-280-4040. Let us pray for you. Send your prayer request to prayerattheour.org. We want to be in ministry with you. We want you to pray for us because, you know, we're broken people too here, and we do the very best that we can proclaiming this good news. So we need you to be in prayer for us and in prayer for what God is doing in the life of this ministry. It's a great ministry with a great team. And so on behalf of Keith Tonkel and Anthony Thaxton, I love Christopher Munn, yeah. <laughs> we love you too. Uh, go into the world and be salt and light. It does matter. And by the way, we love you. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>